Hi, this is David and Barbie Cooper. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's always a privilege to share this time with you. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. And for more information and resources to help you grow in your walk with the Lord, go to malparent.com. Thank you for your generous support. It helps the ministry greatly. Welcome, Mount Perrin family, to our study of the Word today. We're going to talk about power in the blood as we continue our teaching on highlights from the great book of Hebrews. We're looking today at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28, and considering the power, the impact of the death of Christ on the cross and why the Bible talks so much about the blood of Jesus. Did you know that the quality of our health lies in our blood? The blood carries oxygen to the brain, provides nutrients to the organs, tissues, and bones, and cleanses the cardiovascular system. Science confirms scripture. We read in Leviticus, the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you, God says, to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Leviticus 17, 11. Think about that phrase, the life of a creature, of a person, of an animal, is in the blood. And doctors know that. That's why they're always taking blood work because it tells everything about our health. The word blood means life in the Bible. And the words are interchangeable. So when you read the phrase, the blood of Jesus, it means the life of Jesus, which he gave voluntarily on the cross. The life of a creature is in the blood. So life and blood are synonymous. Spiritually, the blood of Christ is powerful. Hebrews draws an analogy from the Old Testament offerings to the life-giving blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed on the cross. Now, the first truth that we learn here in Hebrews chapter 9, beginning to verse 11, is that the blood of Jesus completes redemption. Now, we know in the Old Testament that there were sacrifices and offerings, but all of this was pointing to Jesus. None of these sacrifices, like the sin offering, the trespass offering, the burnt offering, the fellowship offering, they didn't take away the people's sins. They were examples of God providing atonement, and they pointed prophetically to the coming of Jesus. It was only God who could atone for sins. Jesus entered heaven itself, not the earthly temple. The writer tells us, but when Christ came as our high priest, he did not enter heaven by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place, that means in heaven, the heavenly one, once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So the types of the Old Testament sacrifices were pointing to Jesus. And once Jesus came, gave his life on Calvary, shed his blood, which is the only blood that can atone for the sins of the world, eternal redemption was obtained. We don't have to add religion or rituals to be saved to go to heaven. Jesus said from the cross, it is finished. Eternal redemption has now been obtained for every person. Redemption means to be set free. It really can be analogous to losing something valuable and having to go and purchase it back. But Jesus gave his life to purchase us out of sin, out of the bondage of sin, and to set us free. Now, he tells us that Jesus died once for all time. I love this phrase here in Hebrews 9, the little phrase, once for all. And here he tells us that Jesus died once for all time, all history, for all sin. Think about that. Any sin ever committed or will be committed, all the whole sin of humanity historically, 
and he died once for all people, regardless of where we grow up, regardless of our nationality, regardless of our religion. Jesus gave his life on the cross to obtain eternal redemption for every person. So the writer of Hebrews reminds us of how Christ's work is finished. He did this once and it's complete. He writes, but now he, that is Jesus, appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as a man or woman is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That's Hebrews 9, 27 and 20. What amazing truths are presented in this passage. The sacrifices of the Old Testament were reminders of our need of redemption. They didn't take away our sin. They reminded us of our sin and our need for God to redeem us. He writes, the law is only a shadow of the things that are coming, not the reality themselves. But those sacrifices, he means the Old Testament sacrifices, they are an annual reminder of our sins because it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, where these have been forgiven, these sins, the sins of the world, there is no longer any sacrifice for sins. He means you don't need any more sacrifice for sins because Christ dealt with the sins of the world. What an amazing truth here. What a liberating truth to realize that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to atone for the sins of the world, to atone for our guilt. What an incredible joy to know. We don't have to work our way to heaven or try to earn our way to heaven. That eternal life is a gift of God because God in his mercy dealt with the sin problem of humanity. And you and I can come by the way of the cross, the blood of Christ, the life of Christ given. He cleanses us, gives us a new life, and it's all been finished and complete. We need only to receive the power of that redemption that he provided as we accept him as our Lord and Savior. So he teaches us here that the blood of Jesus completes the work of redemption. The second truth found here in Hebrews 9, beginning with verse 11 and following, is that the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture Hebrews 9, 14 and following. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, which can also be translated from useless rituals so that we may serve. And that word means to worship the living God. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed by blood. That was in the days of Moses when they consecrated everything with sacrifices. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's verse 22. That's an amazing statement. Without the shedding of blood, without the atoning work of Jesus, there is no real forgiveness or cleansing of sin. How much more then will the blood of Christ, you know, no matter how great sin is, grace is greater. That's why he uses the phrase, how much more? In Romans 5 and 20, the apostle Paul writes, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. How much more then shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, through the work of the Holy Spirit, cleanse our consciences from something and for something, from dead works 
useless rituals. How many people today are just spinning their wheels with the right desire, the right motive, just trying somehow to pray enough or give enough or be moral enough to keep all the rituals of religion? They're working so hard to get a sense of cleansing, but it can't be found there. You see, when you come to Christ, you are delivered from this works righteousness of trying to earn your way to heaven. That's why it's called good news. And salvation is a gift from God. It's not something you work for. He says the blood of Jesus, when you come by the way of the cross and just accept the forgiveness of your sins and are born again through faith in Jesus, you're no longer trying to work your way to heaven. That's what he means by these acts that lead to death. They're kind of useless and powerless. It's what he means by death. You know, some of this dead is ineffective is what it means. Acts that lead to death. Just empty religion is useless. And we get involved in it sometimes with the right motive, the right intent. But then you hear the good news of Christ that I'm sure with you realize you don't have to try all that. And it leaves a person empty. He delivers us, cleanses our consciences from this ongoing drive that we got to work our way to heaven and fix our own spiritual problem. He frees us from that so that we may serve and worship the living God. I mean, the Christian life is a life of liberty. Religion is oftentimes bondage for people. There's laws and rituals and regulations and people are always uptight and worried, am I doing enough good to get to heaven? Am I right with God? But when you come by the way of the cross and the blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience and you realize, you know, I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed, I'm a new person. Now you're set free. Now you worship God, not because you're afraid. You worship God not to try to get yourself into heaven. You worship God because you're free and you're grateful. And the worship becomes very joyful. That's why when we gather together as Christians and God's people, our faith is happy and joyful. And we praise God with exuberance because we've been set free. We've been cleansed. We're not trying to earn our righteousness or work our way to heaven or live it in fear of God. We're free from all that. And now we're free to worship God. And that's what he means by serving, worshiping the living God. He contrasts acts that lead to death with the living God. You see, religion is oftentimes the death of joy, the death of hope, because people feel like they can never do enough good. But you see, God's a God of living, and when you accept Christ as your Savior, your worship is alive and meaningful and beneficial and it's positive and it's hopeful. So the blood of Jesus we're learning here in Hebrews chapter 9 is what completes the Old Testament sacrifices and rituals. Those are all pointed to Jesus. No need for that now. He fulfilled it. He completed it all. We're learning that the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience. Think about the soul of a person. Everything ever done to them, the, the wrong that they've done, the guilt, the inferiority, the condemnation that sometimes, the fear of judgment that gets on us, all of that's cleansed out of the human conscience so that we are free to worship and free to enjoy life. And then third of all, he tells us the blood of Jesus confirms our place. Now that holy of holies in the tabernacle and later the temple was a room that the high priest would enter only once a year. And he's the only person who could enter. Nobody could go in there. And that holy of holies, though, represented the presence of God. And you can see the imagery here. Like God's presence is there. Everybody wants to get there, but only the priest could go there. And the barrier of the veil represents human sin that is a barrier between us and God. We are sinful. God is holy. And that veil blocked the entrance. But now, it's not just the high priest that can walk in the Holy of Holies. He makes the case that every believer in Christ can just walk right into the Holy of Holies and talk to God as your father. 
It is the blood of Jesus that confirms our place in the presence of God. So he says in Hebrews 10 and 22, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, by the blood of Jesus. Think about that. Not by works of righteousness, not by morality, not by keeping the religion. And we don't have to be afraid when we go there. I mean, people were, were terrified. Nobody would have ever walked into the Holy of Holies. They were afraid of that room. But think about that. There's no fear in worship. We honor God. We reverence God. We're not supposed to be afraid of God. We have confidence, faith, to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, to go right into the presence of our God by new and living way open for us through the curtain. Here is Christ the way, by new and living way. It is now open for us through the curtain that is his body. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. So that curtain in the holy place that blocked the Holy of Holies represented the body of Jesus Christ. But now that curtain is open. That curtain has been torn open. When Jesus died on the cross, that curtain, the Bible says in the Gospel of Matthew, was torn from top to bottom. It was an earthquake. It was as though God took his hand and just tore that curtain in half. Now the way to God has been opened through Jesus Christ. You and I can come confidently to our God, our Father, through the blood of Jesus, through the forgiveness of our sins. We don't have to be afraid of God. You can draw near to God. You can come near because of what Christ has done for you. Let's join together in prayer. Father, we thank you today that we have confidence always to enter your presence. You are our heavenly Father. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness and makes us holy in your sight. I pray today that your word will deliver your people from any fear, trepidation, religious bondage, that they can truly serve you and worship you, the living God, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining me for this study of the word. I'm getting so much out of Hebrews personally through my preparation and sharing with you, and I know the word of God is a blessing to you as well. Let me ask you to make sure that you subscribe to my sermon podcast. It's a great way that I can continue to share the Word of God with you. And so you can go to Mount Perrin's site, hear all the sermons, messages there, but make sure you go and download that app and make sure you subscribe. Hit subscribe to the Pastor David Cooper podcast. And we put some special teachings sometimes that you'll only find on the podcast and you can share the Word of God with others as well. I want to thank you for your generous and faithful support of the Mount Perrin Ministries. There are thousands of people who watch these studies every week all around the world. You can have a part in the Mount Perrin Ministry. Your offerings are greatly appreciated. We do missions work all over the world. We're in six communities here in Atlanta helping people in need. You can help support the media ministry, keep the church strong and vibrant as we continue to expand our ministry through media all around the world. So your giving is also very much appreciated. I want to thank you for it. Sunday's coming. I'm looking forward to seeing you and your family this Sunday for worship. Make sure you invite somebody to go to church with you on campus if you could be here. If not online, I pray you have a great day. I trust the message has been an encouragement to you today. Remember to follow us on social media and connect with us at mountperrin.com. I'll see you right here next week for a fresh message from God's Word.